0: Good afternoon, and welcome to the Revelation Power Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Hopkins, and this is episode 119. We started in the last episode a journey through the Gospel of John, and it's going to take uh, a lot of episodes to cover the entire Gospel, so I hope that you'll settle in and kind of get used to the rhythms and the themes of the Gospel of John. Uh, today we're in Revela- or, I'm sorry, we're in John chapter one, and we'll start with verse six, where we left off uh, in the previous episode. John one, verse six. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, or that light, so that through him all might believe. Now he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. It's a short section, but there's a whole lot here so that you meet through John, the the writer of the gospel, John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. So, John who writes the gospel, doesn't want to leave out John the Baptizer and his role in welcoming the Messiah and his role in the work of God's salvation in this world. So let's look kind of closely at what he says. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Just a guy, but he's been sent from God. He is in that way reminiscent of the Old Testament prophets. A lot of people, Jesus himself, said, if you can understand it, John is Elijah. Uh, John fulfills the role of Elijah. He fulfills the role of many of those Old Testament prophets, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, who come to proclaim God's action in their world at that very moment. You see, that's the biblical role of a prophet. It isn't someone who tells the future. It isn't someone who who fortune tells in a holy way. Um, It isn't someone who predicts what's going to happen in the future. That's not a prophet. The true prophetic word is the word that comes from God and speaks into that exact moment in life and history and reveals God's perspective, his correction, his rebuke, his his redemption, his call to repentance. Whatever it is that God is trying to do in the world, the prophet is the mouthpiece who comes and speaks for God. And they often come out of nowhere and return into nowhere. In the Old Testament, a lot of times prophets just show up, speak God's word into the situation, and then disappear. Now, Elijah comes out of nowhere, walks into the king's palace and says, as surely as God lives, it will not rain again in this country until I say so. And he tries to walk out and disappear into the desert, but it doesn't work that way. And ultimately, he's carried off to heaven in the chariot of fire. Other other prophets come from nowhere, disappear into nowhere. John doesn't have the luxury of coming out of nowhere. He is the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth. We remember the story of the angel coming to his father and, and proclaiming that he would be born and that this is the role he would play. He would set the path before the Messiah. We have the story of of Mary, the mother of Jesus, coming to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And Elizabeth's baby, John the Baptist, jumping in her womb when she hears Mary's greeting. And so there are things going on here that um, have introduced us to John since before he was born. But in all those growing up years, just as we don't have the growing up years of Jesus recorded, nor do we have the growing up years of John recorded. And so they both kind of pop back into history as adults at about the age of 30. Here they are, once again, encountering each other. And when we meet John the Baptist, he has followers. He has disciples and Christ has none. He has apparently completed training to be a rabbi and now is about to start his earthly ministry and comes to John to be baptized as a follower of John. They didn't baptize people like we do to acknowledge that they have have become uh, a professor of the faith. We don't baptize we baptize people to welcome them into membership in the, in the body of Christ Himself, in the in the church. We baptize people to, to testify that they have died to sin and arisen to new life. It's an outward sign of an inward grace to us. But in John and Jesus' time, baptism was different. It was the sign and the seal that you were that person's follower, that person's disciple. And people baptized their disciples as a covenant. So Jesus comes to John to be baptized. And elsewhere in the Bible, we're told that John says, no, uh, you should be the one baptizing me to signify that John understands it's the follower who gets baptized. And Jesus says, maybe so, but for now, let it be this way. And, and so baptism is redefined in Jesus. He's not there to be baptized as John's follower. He's there to be baptized in submission of his will to the will of God. It's a whole different paradigm as is just about everything that Jesus does. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light. He didn't just come. The previous sentence says he was sent. So you could easily read this. He was sent as a witness to testify concerning the light. And the article there is very particular. It could in fact say he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, which I think is what the NIV says. That light, the light that had come into the world the life that was in him that was the light of men, the light that shines in the darkness and the darkness can't even cast a shade on it. There was a man who came from God. His name was John and he was sent as a witness to testify concerning that light. The article calls back to that light. He's a witness. And in the Bible, witnesses play a strong role ever after this passage. Even in the book of Revelation, God is going to provide two witnesses to the world who are going to define the difference between the light and the dark, the good and the evil, the kingdom and the empire. And those two witnesses, if you've listened through my my podcast series on Revelation or you've read my book, I believe those two witnesses are his word, the printed word, the written word, and his church. His word and his church are the defining witnesses that split the difference in this world between what is godly and what is not. And John came as the paradigm, as the model as the the principal witness concerning the light, he was the first who would say, he's the one. He's greater than I am and he must become greater and I must become less because that, that right there, my friends, that man, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth or Jesus the Christ, that man, Jesus, he's the dividing line He's the light. And John was sent as a witness to testify to the light so that through him all might believe. Whoa, that's a big statement. He was sent as a witness concerning that light so that through him all who ever would believe might believe. He was the first witness. And anybody who comes after testifies just like John did. John is the model. He's the first in line. And everyone that comes after him owes the ability to preach the gospel, to define the light, and even to respond to Christ and become his. They owe that to John. John the gospel writer held John the Baptist in really high regard because it is his perspective that the purpose of John was to be the first to proclaim Christ the Messiah and that his legacy is that everybody who comes after believes through John, right? That's what it says. Now a word of clarification from the writer of the gospel. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. It's a very particular statement focused at a very particular group of people who would say, wait, because he was the first, shouldn't we worship John the Baptist too? And there have always been people who felt that way from the very beginning. John had his own disciples and his own followers. And if you've ever believed in something very strongly, a political candidate, for instance, you've believed in that person so strongly that you put your name behind them. You endorsed them. You gave them money. You gave them time. You hung up political signs. You went to the rallies. You invited people to vote for them and support them. And then in the primary, they lost. And your candidate gets up to the microphone and says, thank you. Good job. Beautiful race. And now please support this guy. Please lend your same support and loyalty to my opponent, a guy that you've kind of not liked the whole time that you've been running against him. He was the competition, even if you're in the same party. He was the bad guy for a while, and now your guy says, "Go support him." That's the feeling that John's disciples must have had when when John said, "This man Jesus must gr- must grow greater and I must diminish. I want you to go follow him." But wait, we answered the call to follow you. This competitor guy—we don't know him yet. We don't trust him yet. And John says, it "Doesn't matter. I promise you, he's the greater. Go follow him." And I'm sure there were there were people who had followed John, who held on to John, and didn't want to follow Jesus. I guess in our day and age, we would call them the never Jesusers. <laughs> but I'm sure they existed. Some of them may have held out longer than others. Some of them may never have fully adopted Christ as the one they were to follow. Especially when you think about it, he's a flash in the pan. For three years he's out there preaching and ministering, and then he falls into the bad graces of the church and the government. And they conspire together to have him murdered. And if that's all you know of the story, You would say, see, that didn't work out so well. Should have never followed that guy in the first place. And I am sure there are people who had that attitude. You and I are called as we read this to take stock of who John was, to whom he witnessed Christ, and how we will once again respond to that witness and whether or not we will listen to it and be part of it will we once again affirm that we will leave everything behind, forsake everything we've known to this point, not try and gain profit or benefit from all the effort that we've expended beforehand and again in this moment lay it all aside and follow Jesus? You see, the the motivation, the penchant, the habit, Maybe the habit is the best word. The habit is to read through this one paragraph and hustle on into the more important things. But there are no more important things until you've stopped here and understood that John, who was not the light, is bearing testimony to the real light. And here in verses six through eight of the very first chapter of the gospel, you and I are called again, even if we've already made that decision in our lives, to make it again. And to affirm it again and to say, yes, I will lay aside all the stuff I've accumulated along the journey. All of my perspectives and opinions and everything I've known before. As I begin to read this gospel again, I lay that all aside to follow him. I pray tonight that that's your commitment. As we start into this new journey. Would you commit again to follow that light?